Hey, it's Chris from The Morning Mix. I had the opportunity to chat with Keith Habersberger, who you might know as a Try Guy from BuzzFeed, now just the Try Guys. He's also in a comedy band called Lou Burger, which tour the country. I know Keith from college because we were both in the acting department at the theater school at Illinois State University at the same time. So we decided to catch up and chat about our time together at Illinois State and his journey from ISU all the way to the Try Guys. Today we're celebrating because Birds Give Back is happening on February 22nd, an opportunity to raise money for Illinois State. You can head to birdsgiveback.illinoisstate.edu for all of the information and to make a donation. Please enjoy my conversation with Keith Habersberg. I am here with Keith Haversberger, uh, former Illinois State Redbird. I guess forever a Redbird, right? Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think so. I think you're always a bird. Always a bird. At the end of the day. Uh, but now also uh, internet sensation, worldwide fame, uh, lead singer of of parody rock comedy band, and mm-hmm. uh, husband, and uh, all around good guy. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I, it's been a, a fun time since college and college is fun too yeah college is great so we met at illinois state so um i graduated in 08 and then you were 09 right is that how that went yeah i actually well technically i graduated a semester early Ooh. so technically i was sort of the goofy 08 um, but i stayed there and took a couple classes just because i wanted to take those classes and also yeah. i was like i don't believe yet i'm i'm enjoying this yeah i loved it in illinois state and we met um well i feel like we knew each other around the theater department but then we really met doing um the who's tommy right yeah the rock uh, opera that, i remember goofing around yes. with you backstage a lot during yeah. that show and then of course being in the department but that show i remember as being the time when i like really got to know you and knew you yeah and before that we had done a handful of the the Redbird comedy stand up pop up yes. events around <laughs> campus, but we didn't really know each other other than that we both were doing those things. Yeah, so we had started some buddies and I with like the student activities board had started the comic roll around. I think we called it. Yeah, Thursday random Thursday night. So it was like one Thursday night a month in the student center we would do stand up, and it was us. And then you would come with Matt Reichert. Rickert, Matt, yeah, Rickert, yeah, yeah. Matt would play piano, and you would sing parody songs mm-hmm. that you were working on and they were hilarious yep. yeah and that's continued i still do comedy music now i'm with a band called lou burger we actually got to go back and play at isu a couple of years ago and we played in in brayden which was hilarious that's hilarious it's just such a gargantuan theater and <laughs> i think we had like 700 kids and it looked like a quarter full because it's such a huge... oh no i mean it was still it was a blast but it yeah. was so funny because it was one of our biggest college shows ever and the theater was mostly empty because the theater is just massive. It's just so big. I remember being in there. I think we were in there for graduation. And even then yes. it was like, had the theater school, the art school, the dance like school and all of the families and parents. And it still felt cavernous yeah. as it was. Yeah. Yep. Oh my God. That's so yeah. funny. And then I feel like I got to bear witness to you. Okay. My memories of you at those comedy nights were this dude that is just taking these massive swings with all of your energy going, I'm going all the way and never being afraid to fail, which I've always thought was so amazing to watch because I can remember trying to get up and do stand up and being so self-conscious because it's college. You know, there's girls you're trying to impress or there's people you're trying to impress or whatever it is, all of the air of college BS. And then f- watching you get up and just take these epic swings. Where did you, I don't understand. I never understood. I'm like, how is he just trusting himself enough to do this? It's crazy. 
Yeah, I've I'm so I was the third boy, so I think that has something to do with my uh especially growing up. I was just very like how big can I be? I was very goofy always and I don't know, I just sort of figured that might as well try and um failure, you know, you learn way more from failure than you learn from success. Yeah. So uh and but I always like was a, and I still am a very energetic performer. Uh I something about it just activates um a lot of energy when i perform live like still when we do our lou burger shows we're like crawling around on the chairs in the audience over people it's kind of over the top and ridiculous but it's just so much fun um but yeah i i always you know gotta try gotta yeah. see and especially like college i think that's a really good time to take some swings because you don't really know who you are yet who what your comedy is yet and you've got to figure it out I think it's funny you said try because most folks probably you're most famous for being one of the try guys. Yeah. Right. Is that? Yeah. So that that's been its own. I mean, that was that's certainly the most massive part of my life. Right. Like I yeah. started at BuzzFeed. Um, so I graduated. Yeah, I'll I was going to say, let's do. Yeah, let's do the like the Reader's Digest of from there to now. Yeah. So in college, I did a lot of comedy music and did a lot of improv. Graduated out of school with a theater degree. And I was very fortunate to audition and get into a group called Mission Improbable, which is a touring improv comedy group that hilariously I saw when I was a freshman at ISU. <clears throat> it was one of the first, like, you know, one of those uh, fall events. And yeah. I went and I was like, this is so fun. It was it's a very high energy short form improv show where they're dressed as secret agents kind of also dressed like Mormons, whichever one you want to interpret it right. as. And uh, <laughs> so I graduated and I started touring with them and I toured all over the country playing colleges, probably doing about, I don't know, 130 to 160 shows a year, wow. which was tremendous sort of boot camp, not only for figuring out what kind of comedy I wanted to do, but also figuring out what audiences like and what different audiences want and what is the version of me that is the most broadly appealing to you know because i was doing a show for a thousand students in iowa and then i would drive somewhere and do it uh i did an ulta convention so i'm just doing something for like you know mid-20s mid-30s women <laughs> who are focused in beauty so like that's a very different audience and then yeah. the next day i would do a a concrete you know <laughs> dinner party like concrete workers and contractors dinner party it was just <laughs> such a wide variety of audiences so I did that for four years, and then I started doing Octavarius, which was my own company. So nefarious. With, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. With um, Brian Wool and Mark Musinski and Matt Castelvi and Matt Herzog, tons of people who had been in the uh, Improv Mafia at ISU. So it was sort of like the the Improv Mafia's graduated class that made a, a company. There's another one called Moonsharks, which is, and I'm sure there's more now because it's been a long time since I was in college. And we did that for a few years. That was really, really fun, successful. We did some web projects. And somewhere in the somewhere in there, I was like, I need to learn how to do video production because I am capable of coming up with funny ideas, but I don't know how to get people to see them. And yeah. uh, so I learned how to edit very slowly, unlike iMovie. Then I graduated up to like Final Cut 10, which is kind of in between iMovie and Final Cut 7. Then I did Final Cut 7. Then I learned how to do Adobe, which is very similar. But I basically acquired one skill at a time, learning editing and sound recording and video recording and then lighting. And uh, it was a lot of favors. Like I asked people who ran production companies if I could just come work for free, if they would teach me how to 
roll up these cables, put up these lights. What's this thing called? How yeah. do you plug this in? Um, that kind of stuff. And then we moved to LA. Uh, the Octavarius did a, a good number of us to try to, you know, give it a shot when I was about 25. And we were making, I kind of saw that the digital landscape, the output of people was about two videos a week. So I was like, can I fully make two videos a week on YouTube? And they don't have to be good. Just can't do, can I do that? Um, so I started trying to do that. We made some like little projects here and there. And we'd also made this web series called I Made America, which was Founding Fathers. And I, that sort of taught me like viral marketing because like our web series did fine, but the little viral videos we made using those characters did way better. So wow. I kind of dabbling in that. And then I needed some just real education. So I applied to work at BuzzFeed as an intern. And uh, obviously that really worked out. I got into the video department when it was maybe like 25 people big. Like bottom floor. Yeah. Ground floor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it was early in the department. They had BuzzFeed had like a couple channels, but nothing was they had several yeah, millions of subscribers, but not like tens of millions of subscribers at the time. Yeah. Um, and I just was an intern, so I worked on a bunch of people's shoots, learned how to make stuff. I got very fast. I was sort of, I had a reputation for being able to turn around videos faster than anyone else, because that's what I identified as important to them, and I wanted to keep a job. <laughs> so I was like cranking out two and a half videos a week on average, Wow, uh, which was very valuable to them. And then we stumbled into the Try Guys, and it was sort of a viral video that came out of us trying to figure out what videos would work well on Facebook. Um, uh, and uh, it sort of blew up, and we repeated it. It continued to have success. Then we branched out and made our own company and left BuzzFeed and were able to retain the IP through a long series of negotiations that I can't go into detail on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've had the company Second Try LLC for five years now and this year in september is the anniversary is our 10-year anniversary of our oh first try guys video which you know, is kind of crazy it doesn't feel like you have been there long enough in general in la or that we've been out of college long enough but we have uh for yeah. you to have a 10-year anniversary like that do you remember what the first try guy video that hit was because i remember you guys doing the uh men going through birth and you guys getting the like electrodes strapped to you but that was yeah. later right Yes, there were three phases of the, I don't know, it growing. So the very first video was just men try Victoria's Secret underwear. And that one like kind of crushed and did super, super well. And we did a couple videos like that. But then the second one was basically guys become drag queens. So we worked with drag queens. And this was, you know, this was 2014, maybe yeah. early 2015. So, I mean, RuPaul's Drag Race was definitely a show, but I don't think it had I mean, it definitely had broken through to a decent amount of culture, but it hadn't broken through the way it has now. Um, so it was, it was very, it was, first of all, it was a great video. Very, very funny, very, very cool. But it was a big turning point in the style of video we made. Now it had like interviews and it was intercut and it was very fast paced and it had this big sort of payoff. So it was like learning something, but then actually performing at the end. And then the last thing was the motherhood series, which we put around Mother's Day, where we wore pregnancy bellies for a day we did uh we raised those robot babies you raise in high school again we and then the labor pain simulator which is a tens unit which is like a yes electro stim machine it's normally help for like physical therapy but you can also just put it on your abs and rank it up and give yourself 
basically what it feels like to have the first level of contractions. Although it's all, it's still kind of your external muscles. It's not coming from within, right? We're not actually uh, giving birth, but it was really successful because no one had done that before where yeah. men are doing a childbirth simulator and experiencing even a fraction of the pain of labor. And hilariously, now it's gone on like the bachelor's done it. I know it's like, you guys, it. I know. I feel like I see it everywhere. And I'm like, no, this is yeah. all derivative. Yeah, we, we did do it first. Um, but that was like that series, especially on Facebook, got something like hundreds of millions of views. We were trending worldwide wow. for that video and it was just so successful and that kind of really stamped it as okay this is a real thing and then we since then you know we've definitely done more stuff that's of that female identity which is where we started but then we've i mean i've swam with sharks at this point yeah. i've raced dog sleds on a glacier i've uh i've knitted <laughs> i've done, I've done <laughs> yeah, everything all, from big, yeah. big crazy yeah. things to, you know small hobbies uh it's been crazy and uh very cool. And now we have the channel that's in our own company. So now I have multiple formats. So now I'm also known as the guy who eats everything from yes. fast food restaurants, which is its own uh, show and has its own like big following and uh, has been very funny for me um, <laughs> and has definitely as I get, you know, later into my 30s has raised the importance of exercise because if once a month I'm eating basically somewhere about like 25,000 calories, yeah, it's, kind of, it's like six hours of straight eating stuff that's not good for you oh my gosh have you ever consulted a nutritionist before or after and gone like this is what i'm about to do do i prep or i i just tell my general physician <laughs> and she said hey you know if you're not doing this outside of this and you're exercising in general and you yeah. do this once a month it actually <clears throat> is less harmful to you than a steady unhealthy diet is because your body just can't even absorb that much like your body physically right. cannot take in that much food so even though you are eating that much food it doesn't mean you can't absorb it you just can't <laughs> it's not possible right um, so it doesn't actually hurt you as much as it probably should but it definitely like i'm i only eat that that day i don't eat before that i don't eat after that yeah, I don't, you don't go out don't to dinner with your wife after uh, i'll meet I'm, you yeah, at the restaurant yeah. I, I, I come home and i drink a lot of water i'm just <laughs> mostly unbelievably dehydrated while also being very full yeah so it's horrible amounts of water for hours and then yeah. i fall asleep Oh my gosh. It's funny because you look to my memory exactly the same as you did when we were at Illinois State. Having done all that crazy stuff, good for you. It hasn't, you know, it hasn't been a negative impact, which is great. Yeah. I've I've gone up and down, you know. Oh yeah, as, as we all do. Yeah. Jeez. We're, we're, it's life. So we lived in Los Angeles for a time and I would see you here and there. And there were all these questions that I would want to ask you, but I was like, I don't want to bother him with that now. But here we are in an interview where I can ask you. So Yeah, of course. Would you say, and you can say, I can't say, and I don't want to, but has there ever been a Try Guys, maybe something you guys wanted to produce, something you wanted to try where you ended up having to scrap it, or maybe you went all the way through filming and you were like, this didn't turn out the way we wanted it to, or does that happen often? Or have you thought it out to where you know what's going to work before you go? It doesn't happen often, but it happens. Yeah. There's, there's times where we have a video idea and we go through every avenue we can to try to make it happen. And we just haven't, like, I'll tell you an idea where gonna do eventually but we just have not been able to find the right you know avenues and we want to do something around space and do the zero gravity flight simulator and work with nasa but to do that it just takes a really large amount of time it's unbelievably expensive yeah. uh, to produce and uh coordinating all those different moving parts and schedules has just been challenging so it's something that we've 
tried to accomplish almost every single year and it it just hasn't, hasn't come happened. to fruition yet but someday we will um and that's awesome but that's one that's like and then there's there's definitely times where we've shot something and we're like ah this isn't really what we thought it was and especially when you're doing stuff that's trying you're sometimes taking in people's identities and and something and like like ah this doesn't actually represent it well enough or we didn't shoot it well enough or something and so there's been a couple times in our 10 years that we've scrapped something that has been shot uh uh but that's pretty rare because we we have a decent understanding of what will do well yeah um, but also you just have to experiment like you have to constantly take some little gamble with every video and some things are more sure bets than others, but nothing is like a sure bet, sure bet. So what's funny is a lot of folks, I feel like uh, the lay person might see a video online. For example, they could see you eat the Taco Bell menu and it gets uh, a, a ton of views and it's monetized and blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh my gosh, I could do that. These people, whatever, this is so easy. But I, having known you and then knowing folks who work with you know how much work goes into everything that you guys do. So what is like a normal week for a try guy? Do you guys have set hours? Do you get together and break ideas or do you break out a season like a writing room? So uh, this is, I love this question. We, I think up until this year, we're very bad at organizing <laughs> how we, it, it's, it's really hard because you're making, we on average have to release two videos a week and three podcasts a week, which means on average you're shooting two videos a week and yeah. three podcasts a week. Uh, that's a lot of content to make and a shoot a video normally takes at least a full day. Sometimes things can take two days, but you still have to have meetings and you have to have, you have to have time to give notes on edits and like eat the menus an hour long show that takes two and a half hours to give notes on. So when am I going to do that? Uh, right. who else can help me do that? And we have a staff of 20 something people, but we have some freelancers who come in on and off, which is why I say something. Um, <clears throat> and this is all that but this year we were like we need to make a better sort of balance for ourselves and the company and something that makes it possible for our editors to like get ahead so that videos aren't being finished the night before they go online because that's just a very stressful reality yeah. of youtube production but how can we get past that and erica uh schmeck um who's also a nice also graduate, a redbird that's right he uh works uh for us now and she's a tremendous, uh, she's our head of production. And she she and our finance uh, manager, Devin, came in and they're like, I have, here's what we think will work. And they made this huge plan with how we're going to structure our work weeks, but also how we're going to structure our quarters. And then we met to discuss all the videos we wanted to make this year to make it more of a network show slate. So rather than just doing videos, we're trying to do like, Okay, this show is going to, we're going to make three videos in this show or style. This show is going to have four videos. They're going to cross over. There's going to be occasional moments where there are one-off videos that don't relate to a show. Or maybe Eat the Menu. Eat the Menu is an all-the-time show. So it's one video a month uh, rather than ever. We have done sprints where we do three in a row. Uh, but it's sort of too taxing on my body to do. Yeah, that's we insane. Did, we did Cheesecake Factory and we shot three. We did it in three parts and shot it in one month. And that was very taxing that's insane um, i feel like that's not even enough time to get through their whole menu yeah. even doing three days like yeah. that's crazy yeah yeah and we luckily we put some weeks in between but it was still like it was it was it was tough um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so now we like we are in this really great healthy position of knowing what's coming out 
trying to make shows that have shared show assets and music. So it makes a better streamlined production, but still a video. Probably each video has a six week timeline from when you start working on it in pre-production to when it is delivered in the edit. Uh, somewhere physical production will happen in there. And that's actually the shortest. It's like two days, right? But you have to find experts. You have to find locations. You have to figure out uh, between our schedules, who's available. Um, we obviously aren't uh, the same size cast as we were. So we're trying to get new talent in and find ways that it makes sense, both that those talents are great talent, but also it's a perspective that is needed in our Try Guys universe. Um, so it's it's been a big, you know, last year was a big, change year for us like how do we restructure this business um also i have a child now so it's just there's just trying to make it so that we can do all the things we want to do maintain a healthy work-life balance um make a safe company uh, and secure a company and i just mean that in terms of like staying a company that has a staff and can pay all of its staff and uh can pay everyone you know equitably and, and do that kind of stuff and also not have them have to work on the weekends or super yeah. late at night. So that's been a big uh, thing that we've had that's important to us. And uh, it takes a lot of work to do that. It's so cool to see from goofing around with you backstage, wearing a fur coat to like watching you guys build an empire is really amazing. And at the same time, you also have Lou Burger, which has nothing to do with Try Guys. That's just your own total band that you guys have going. And yeah, I know so, like, oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just, that's been very cool. And that sort of fulfills my live performance uh, side of myself. So we normally do a tour one weekend a month right now. So we'll do like, a, I'm going, I mean, this will be after this airs, but I'm going up to do a couple shows in Seattle and Vancouver for Just for Laughs. Oh, awesome. But then early March, we have a couple shows in Wisconsin. We did an off-Broadway show in New York last year. Yeah, I saw year. that. It was amazing. Yes. For a month, which was really fulfilling. So we have like that. There's like a tour version of that that we're doing in March, a few places, Toronto as well. And we also have some other, just our normal concert, which is kind of stand-up, kind of a comedy concert, kind of a party. It's really all over the place. Um, and I'm sure we'll play in Chicago again. We normally play in Chicago once a year or so. Yeah. But yeah, that's been... Super cool. And it's had a lot of success on TikTok. We do a lot of formats there and we have gained a lot of following and it's very goofy. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of stuff. I wanted to ask you because I know White People Taco Night blew up for you guys. I got served White People Taco Night, not by you, by something else and someone else, but I knew it was your voice. And I was like, wait a second, this is, you're like a trending sound now. And I guess my question was, how do you guys protect your work? Like, Knowing how TikTok and Instagram works and anybody can take white people taco night and run with it, but it's like, no, 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 that's our work. How are you able to protect it? Or yeah, is it I mean <clears throat> that's tough. Like white people taco night, which is so funny to say and talk about. <laughs> it's a serious <laughs> example. But I would say that is one of the most truly viral things that I've made in the last several years. And by that I mean Virality used to be any video that succeeded because for a video to succeed and get a million views, that's just crazy. So it must be viral. And also like there weren't YouTube companies, like someone would make it like Chewbacca mom is a great example. That's yeah. pure viral was not intended, was not made thinking this should be seen by millions and millions of people and be a worldwide reference. It was just made. Uh, White people talking about it was similar. It was just me singing at the top of a, a 
Tripod, which is our Try Guys podcast, as we were recording, I was basically singing it before we started record it, recording. They rolled and I kept singing it. A fan took that sound and put it on TikTok and it exploded completely unrelated to me and became a hugely trending sound. So as I saw it, part of my you know job about being on the internet is to think about what what can you do with trends? I was like, oh, okay, this song is huge. We need to make this a full song and we need to produce it and put out a produced version for people to use. And I'd say we still took us like three or four months to do that. It already existed plenty of places and we did that and it blew up, but it has, it's one of those things where like it has paid us through exposure. And right. then when we play that song at shows, everybody knows it. I mean, the first time we ever performed that song live, the first time the audience was singing along with the song, which is surreal. Right. Cause you had not actually played it live anywhere before that. No. We barely even sang it at all. You know, we like, I sang it that one time. We we sang it again for a video, like when we produced the track, but like I hadn't sang it. And were you much. just riffing the first time? You were just like goofing around before you guys roll and you yeah. just started singing words. Yeah. Just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> and we, were, we were just sitting and like, and that, so that's why I was like, it was truly a viral thing because we didn't make that with the intention of it being heard right. by anyone other than our podcast audience as a funny little joke but it clearly struck a nerve of like it, it is something that everybody has experienced and no one has made a comedy bit about somehow and we did and it exploded and um but yeah in general when it comes to our fully produced videos there are um things on the internet where you can basically there are services and the youtube itself does this where if they see uh duplicate material being published they'll sort right. of alert you and say is this yours or not so in terms of the actual stuff that can make money, there's systems in place, but TikTok doesn't really make money. It's more of an exposure platform. I mean, you, yes, you can make tick money. Yeah, can, but, but, but it's not but like outside of TikTok, it, back into TikTok. It's not the foundation of my right. business by yeah. any means. It's, you know, supplementary, sure, but it right. doesn't really make money. It's got to make it sting even more when you guys take like two weeks to work on a project that you are like, oh my gosh, and then it doesn't click and then you're like i made up words about tacos and it's one of our yeah. oh for sure it definitely there's lots of times where something that you don't put a lot of effort into is really really successful and vice versa something you really really care about work really really hard on and it doesn't do super well but that's that's the nature of this business it's the nature of all businesses yeah. right there's plenty of times companies have come up with amazing products and like this is going to be the next big thing and it's not right you're guessing one thing about you that I think folks may not know that I think is very commendable is that, uh, in my experience, you're a very loyal guy. And a lot of the folks who work with you now, you've known since college or you've worked with since then. Uh, and there are people you met early in your career as a comedian that still work with you now that that some would say you've like taken with you or, you know, brought along for the ride in various capacities and who certainly are contributing to the work you're doing. But that, you know, as your star rose you sort of grabbed folks around you and brought them with you. And I think that's really commendable. And I don't think that you're really very public about that because, you know, you're a very humble person who's very successful. And I think it's awesome that you've done that. Uh, and a lot of those folks are from Illinois State, which is awesome. Yeah, I, um, I mean, everybody, I think everyone who has success in the entertainment industry gets a leg up from somewhere or someone or something, right? Like that's just the nature of, of it is that it's, but even the people who are, self-made and come from nothing 
they're discovered by someone like Bieber right. was discovered by Usher. Like, like that you get opportunities. It's what you make of the opportunities that that makes you successful. But there's opportunities always that are given out and you've got to grab them. And when you have them, I feel like you have to give them. Uh, yeah, Brian Wool, who is was in Octavarius and uh, and is uh, in Prob Mafia. He is our opening act for Lou Berger on the road. Um, he started doing more stand up once we got here. And uh, it's I know he's very, very funny, but being funny and having an opportunity to show people you're funny is is a separate thing and it's hard to connect those dots. So I was like, well, he's not only very, very funny and I think we'll do well for our audience, but he's very helpful on a tour because tours are also hard. There's the other side of tour, which is checking in eight bags of merch and instruments at, a, at an airport at four in the morning to fly to the East Coast through a connecting flight to drive two hours to some town to do a show with an hour and a half tech and you've oh got to set up gosh. your merch and it's like, incredibly physically taxing so to have one more person to help it's almost like we all say that we get paid for all of that and the performance is just the the fun part but the you're paid for everything else yeah for all the everything else things. is the work it's work it's not fun it's not glamorous yeah. it's you know tight budgets trying to fly four people four people in a hotel room get a rental car all that stuff is expensive so and just way less fun but it you know it's also fun it's fun at the same time well you talked a lot about opportunities and you've created one because you've created a scholarship at illinois state is that via you or through the try guys how does that all come together um yeah it's from me and and becky and i uh who i met becky at ICU as well um that's my wife we um decided to make a scholarship and it's because when i graduated i got a upon graduation scholarship and I didn't get any other scholarships at school uh, but I got one that was I think it was the the Blackfriars scholarship it's one where it's like oh yeah some somebody who does a lot of comedy and music and all sorts of things and it just sort of described me very much at the university and I think that that thousand dollars well it's not a huge amount of money to get you going in the real world it gave me basically a month and a half or so of a couple months of rent. Yeah. And I think gave me the opportunity to not have a day job that allowed me to audition for that improv group that I got to tour with. So I do think it, while small, it was significant uh, for me. So I thought I, you know, all these things have led to me having the ability to do that for someone else. So I should. So yeah, we funded the same thing. It's the same uh, amount and it goes out to someone who's very dedicated into free stage or the black actors union or improv mafia, like just someone who's really doing a lot of extracurricular stuff and trying to make opportunities for themselves and other students. That is who it's for, because that's what I was doing there. And that's what, you know, that's what I got. So I was like, how can I add a second one of those? Cause that one still exists, but now there'll be one more student maybe who can have that opportunity. That's awesome. Good for you, man. I'm so proud to know you. Congrats on all your success. It's awesome. It all started at Illinois state and we're here today because Birds Give Back is happening on February 22nd, and it's an opportunity to raise money for the university and for all the folks in all the different varieties of the arts program and different areas of the school. If you go to birdsgiveback.illinoisstate.edu, you can get all the information. Keith, man, thanks so much. It was really nice to talk to you and to see you in real life for a little while. Yeah, <laughs> it was great to catch up. Yeah, man. Uh, be well, and thanks so much. Thanks. Okay. Appreciate it. Bye.